Live from the Jacob Media Studios, it's Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough on News Talk 1400 WOND. Be inspired, learn and understand the power of becoming a servant leader and transform your life while serving our nation. Meet those who have served our country. Learn about prosperity and overcome sickness, poverty, and despair. Serving Our Nation begins right now. Good afternoon and welcome to Episode 19 of Serving Our Nation on News Talk 1400 WOND. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and if today is the first time that you have the opportunity to join this program, I just want to share with you the idea behind Serving Our Nation. This is a program that is focused on encouraging people to become servant leaders. I want to offer you hope and encouragement through stories each week of people that are servant leaders in their field. Because I want to demonstrate to you that when you honor God, blessings just naturally follow as a byproduct of that and you loving and caring for others. Because beyond the shadow of a doubt, serving is for everyone in all walks of life. And we've seen that demonstrated by multiple previous guests. In the area of military, you've heard from Honorable Ken Wong. In business, Miss Erica Webster. In faith, Chaplain Scott McChrystal. In community, Mrs. Diane Rumley. And in family, my friend, Mr. Danny Nolan. And the point of all these guests, time and time again, we have seen that when you see a need, you need to fill a need. Because in some way, we are all ministers. We're all given special gifts by God. And we're called to use those gifts to love and serve other people. And I'm going to share with you just a little bit about me that is relevant to today's episode. My father was a Vietnam veteran, and it affected him for his entire life, and it's a large part of why I joined the military myself. And I'm also a licensed minister working part-time here at this station, WOND. And so because of those two pieces of my background, I have two really interesting guests for you today. My first guest is Mr. John Branch. He's a Vietnam veteran himself, like my father. He's an author, and he's a leader of military ministry. In the second half, I will have Mrs. Vanessa Johnson. She's a mother and wife. She's a deaconess and a member of Atlantic County Ministers Association, and she works in multiple capacities here at WOND. So when we come back from the break, I'll be joined by Mr. John Branch. Stay with us. We'll be right back. South Jersey's News Talk. 1400 WOND. You're listening to Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough, a Jacob Media Production. Welcome back to Serving Our Nation on News Talk 1400 WOND. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and I'm joined here today by Mr. John Branch. John, are you on the line today? I am. John, first of all, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to be on the program here. Oh, my pleasure. So, John, you know, looking at your book and reading your bio and your website, you have a very interesting and diverse background. But I think the heart of it, if I understand you correctly from our conversation, kind of stems from your time in Vietnam. Would you mind sharing with us how, when, and why you joined the military? Oh, uh, yes, I was, uh, I was 16 years old when I started thinking about joining the military. I'd probably thought about it before, but seriously thinking about it. We had the draft going on back then. That was, uh, uh, 50 years ago, over 50 years ago. And 
So a lot of guys were running away to Canada and hiding up there so they wouldn't have to go to the jungles of Vietnam. And uh, some of the people were protesting uh, the draft and war, and, and a lot of guys went to jail for it. Now, I, I decided to go ahead and join the military. Uh, a lot of it was patriotism, but a lot of it was just selfishness. I, did, I was not happy with my life. Uh, my, uh, my dad was drinking too much and, uh, and I, I just, I was not liking life. So at 16, I was down visiting the Marine recruiter and, uh, thinking about just joining the Marines. But then I was also haunted with the fact that the Marines were going to the jungles of Vietnam and I really didn't want to do that. It's fair. So I went over, <laughs> I went over to the Navy recruiter and figure, well, that'd be a lot better. Navy guys don't have to crawl around the jungle. Well, some of the Navy guys do. And that I joined, uh, I had to wait. The recruiter said, you got to get at least one of your parents to approve this, and you have to wait until you're 17 to sign the document. So I said, okay, went home. And I uh, said, Dad, I want to join the Navy. My dad said, you're an idiot. <laughs> and, and, uh, and he ended up uh, eventually signing the papers. Uh, I believe it was on my birthday, my 17th birthday. Uh, but 11 days after I turned 17, I was down in San Diego, California, doing Navy basic training, so boot camp. And from there, I went to uh, special training uh, to uh, be part of the uh the team, uh, gunfire control technicians, we aimed the guns and aimed the missiles. We were in the weapons division, along with gunners, mates, and torpedo techs, and uh, uh, sonar guys. So I ended up uh, doing some, some school. That was probably half a year or so, uh, learning electronics and how to run the analog computers or just gears. We didn't have uh, the digital computers that we have now. Uh, we had gyroscopes, had to learn how to use those things. Uh, gyroscopes stabilize the, the cannons. They make the cannon stay in one spot while the rest of the ship is going up and down and sideways in the, in the ocean. Um, I was, uh, I was sent to the USS Providence, uh, after the school and they, they did more training on how to operate the systems, uh, for combat. And then, uh, one of my petty officers handed me a, uh, a document that uh, the Navy was looking for guys to volunteer for uh, the USS Rowan DD-782, an old World War II destroyer. It was, it was uh, built during World War II and launched in, uh, right after the war in '46. And they wanted volunteers. And it was volunteers for uh, this uh, ship. It was going to be all volunteers and what we were going to do and what we ended up doing for two years is go into the north and uh, blow things up. And so so I ended up, uh, they accepted my volunteering, and they sent me immediately to the SS Rowan, and then short time after that, we went uh, overseas and ended up in combat in Vietnam. Wow, that is a really impressive story. So I understand you had a number of combat missions in Vietnam. Can you just elaborate on that a little bit? Sure. Um our, our job was to destroy gun emplacements, radar uh, em, emplacements uh, along the coastline in the far north. Now, 
I I was young and didn't realize how how dangerous this would be. Now we were in the far north and we were doing missions only at night when there was no moon. The enemy could not see us except on radar, and uh, they they had uh, uh, cannons that would flash. They make bright flashes, and so we could aim at their uh, gun emplacements as soon as they started shooting at us. And uh, it's a lot harder to hit a target just with radar. But but they would start shooting at us, and uh, I got, I got to tell you, I got to back up here. Uh, before my first combat mission, I was uh, not afraid of dying. I don't think I was ever afraid of dying in Vietnam. What I was afraid of is, is being a coward. I did not want to be a coward. I guess it's from watching lots of John Wayne movies. Sure. And and so so I I didn't know if I'd be a coward or not. I didn't know if I'd freak out and not be able to because I had to aim the gun. Yeah. I I was looking through a, uh, an eyepiece that had crosshairs just like a, a hunting rifle. And then I had a trigger I had to squeeze and I had a radar and so I had I had uh that was a big responsibility for an eighteen year old young man. I can imagine. And, um, so I was afraid of that and then I moved on. I, I found out that I could handle the job without freaking out, without uh uh completely losing my mind, which a lot of guys do in combat. But I um I moved on to thinking about what would happen if we got hit and or if our engines shut down. What if the engines went out? What if we run aground? Because we were, we were in close, and sometimes guys would say that they could hear gravel being kicked up by the screws and hitting the quarter-inch steel on the hull. And, and so I, I thought, wow, if I go in the water, I'm, uh, I'm going to survive probably because I could hold my breath a long time and was a good swimmer. And then I thought, I'm going to end up being a prisoner of war. And those guys are mean. The Chinese and the North Vietnamese are going to torture me. And I thought, I can't handle torture. So I spent two years being afraid. And I was afraid all the time. I was afraid before missions. I I was afraid when we'd we'd do R&R about once a month or so. And they'd let us go to uh, places like the Philippines or... um, uh, Taiwan, Hong Kong, Japan, different places, and and what we did was that we just do some heavy drinking and and uh, try to pretend that we weren't afraid. Um, so uh, that kind of made me crazy. It, it caused me to have what what's now called as PTSD, yeah, post traumatic stress disorder. And uh, back then, uh, it wasn't it wasn't as well understood as it is now and uh, so things are getting better but it still causes our young men and women to have um, a very very difficult life absolutely I understand that and I I can't imagine what it was like for you when you came home unlike today when I came home from Iraq and Kuwait with a warm welcome I don't think you got the same kind of treatment when you came home from Vietnam Oh, that is for sure. Um, it was back in, I think, 92 uh, that the United States wised up and started uh, celebrating our, our warriors and praising them instead of treating them poorly. Back in Vietnam time, they called us baby killers. Uh, a lot of guys got spit on. Uh, for me, uh, I was... Uh, uh, I flew I flew from Japan to... Uh, San Francisco, Treasure Island, 
and uh, about two days uh, with a pal of mine, we, we were drinking 25-cent beers out of vending machines on at the barracks. And, uh, uh, it was a weekend, I believe, was the reason they couldn't just discharge us. And uh, Monday, I think it's probably Monday morning, uh, they gave me a packet of papers and said nothing. And I said, well, is that it? Am I out? And the guy looked at me kind of funny, and he said, yeah, you're, you're out. You're wow. out of the Navy now. And I went, all right. And I I, uh, I was with a pal of mine from the ship. He was a farm boy, Ezra. And uh, we said, said our goodbyes and uh, at the airport. We shared a cab to the airport, and I flew back to Portland, Oregon. And uh, when, I, when I got on the plane, I took my seat, and there was uh, a young businessman in a nice suit, and he was sitting right to my left. It's like it was yesterday, but it was 50 years, almost 50 years ago. And and uh, I, I had decided to wear my dress blue uniform. With, uh, I got a few medals, and uh, so I thought I'd wear that for the last time with my medal and then, uh, and then just put it away at home and save it for when I'm a grandpa. Yeah. And uh, the guy began to verbally abuse me for going to Vietnam. And um, that guy does not realize how close he came to death that day. I had been scared for so long. It was making me crazy. And I I thought about actually killing him on the plane. But then I was thinking, I, I shouldn't do that. That's wrong. And I was not raised going to church, but I still knew that that would be wrong to do that. So what I did is I just kept my mouth shut, didn't say another word to anybody. We smoked cigarettes back then, so I just smoked a lot of cigarettes on the, it's a short trip from San Francisco to Portland, Oregon, and I just smoked a lot of cigarettes. And uh, back then we had little ashtrays on the armrests of every, every seat on the airplanes. And uh, I got back, I didn't say anything bad to the guy, I didn't hurt him. But to this day, that guy does not understand how close he came to death. And uh, I still uh, I still think about him, but uh, I no longer I no longer have those those bad feelings. He was just ignorant and uh, didn't know what he was talking about. And that is that. I've forgiven all the people that have wronged me. I uh, I spend time every day reading the Bible and praying, and uh, I I fellowship with other people that believe in Jesus and read the Bible. And that's where I have found peace. I, I now have a much better understanding of, of how the world works, how people are. I can tolerate the bad things in life. Uh, a lot of the guys that I served with on the USS Rowan now have different types of cancer, Parkinson's, all sorts of horrible diseases from chemicals that we were exposed to over there. And so we all have to deal with that. Uh, I'm not bitter. I'm not angry. Um, I've never been happier in my life. And the reason is, is I stay focused on Jesus. I do that uh, by reading the Bible every day and praying every day. Amen. And I, I talk to people about uh, the war. Uh, that's, that's, where, that's where I think most veterans uh, uh, run off the road into the weeds, so to speak. Yeah. Because they don't realize when they come home that the war here is just, is, is much more um, vicious, uh, the war uh, that the Bible talks about uh, in uh, the book of Ephesians in the Bible, in the last chapter, chapter 6, 
uh, tells us that uh, our our struggle is not against flesh and blood; it's against spiritual forces of wickedness. And and then the writer tells us that we should use the only offensive weapon in the spiritual battle, which is the Word of God. It's the Scripture. It's the Bible. Amen. Well, and John, the, the writer also tells us that uh, after we're born again, we have the great mystery of Christ in us. And so once once we understand that we've got to get born again and take care of that, then we have the Holy Spirit, which is the Spirit of Jesus inside of us, leading us, and then we, we make sense out of the insanity that is our world, and we make sense of the insanity by spending time in the Word and then, then praying, talking to the Creator of all that is. And so if, if my fellow veterans would understand this, they could walk, they could back up from from the cliff that they're about to jump off of because they don't understand life. Chemicals never solve a belief system problem. Chemicals never can solve a belief, belief system problem. If you're not born again, you got a belief system problem. Jesus said that you got to build your, your house on the rock, which is Him, Christ crucified and, and risen from the dead. We have to build this on Him. That's that's the rock. That's our, our house. Amen, John. Well, listen, we got about a minute left, so I just want to ask you, you know, you wrote a book called The Warrior's Guide to Happiness, and there's a lot of things in there that I think can really help the veterans like you, Vietnam veterans, other veterans. So what advice would you give to them, both that comes from your book and from your heart, of how they might be able to get on that road to recovery and find happiness? Well, the first thing, they have to realize that war is never over. And then the next thing is they got to get born again and focus on Jesus. And uh, they can, any, any of the men and women can call me anytime. I've got a phone number in my website for Lion's Den Publishing, and uh, also from my author website, johnopiridbranch.com. I think for my website, it's just uh, no period in there, just uh, johnobranch.com. Uh, they find those websites. Uh, they can call me. Uh, they can call me anytime or email me anytime and get free copies of the Warrior's Guide. I'm also working on the Warrior's Guide to Prayer and the Warrior's Guide to Fellowship. I lead um, a fellowship group for veterans, and we use the book. Now, there's other other veterans around the United States that are starting to use the Warrior's Guide to Happiness in their groups. My book is written in bite-sized pieces. You can grab the book and read any chapter. There's 111 chapters. The veteran can pick up any chapter in the book, and it'll have uh, Bible verse and uh, a part of my life and hopefully they'll see how their life can be plugged in with that bible verse and they can experience the joy that life has to offer but only the, the peace and joy that is the whole the gift the gift the fruit of the, the holy spirit and self-control they don't need to be addicted to va calm down pills or uh any sort of psychotropic medication to calm down they can have pure joy by focusing on jesus Amen, John. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to be on the program today. It has been an honor and a privilege to speak with you. Well, thank you, Doctor, and uh, stay focused on Jesus. Amen. All right, when we come back from the break, I'll be joined by Mrs. Vanessa Johnson. Stay with us. We'll be right back. If you've been 
News Talk, 1400 WOND. You're listening to Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough, a Jacob Media Production. Welcome back to Serving Our Nation on News Talk, 1400 WOND. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and I'm joined here today by Mrs. Vanessa Johnson. Vanessa, are you on the line today? Yes, I am. Hello. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the program today. It means so much to me. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here with you today. Well, you know, when you and I met a few weeks ago, I was just really captivated by all of the different ways that you serve your family and your community. And when I was reading a little bit about you that you had sent me, I, I really just love especially how you can serve your family as a mother and as a wife. Can you unpack that a little bit, like how you take care of your husband, how you take care of your children in that role? Um, well, I serve them, I guess, with love, with love and kindness and patience. And I try to do the best that I can. I'm not 100% um, always... <laughs> kind and patient, but I try to be at least 85% kind and patient and encouraging and listen to them and try to help them, you know, in the direction that they need to go, guide them. I read my Bible so that the Lord can help me guide them and encourage them the way that they both need to go. My husband, because he needs encouraging, and the children, because they need encouraging with the way this world is today. Absolutely. What does it really mean to you to be a mom and a wife? Like, what is that role in your life? You know, how does that relate to other things that you have going on? Well, I think it's the most important thing is to be a representative of Christ. Yes. And how I live my life and show it to others. And I think as long as you allow him to be first in your life and allow him to guide you and to direct your path, Everything else will fall in place because you're not gonna you're not gonna be mean, you're not gonna be rude, you're not going to, you know, be selfish and you're going to try to instill that in all the people that are around you. Amen. Well, you know, that sounds a whole lot like a leadership lesson. I wonder what kind of things you've been able to impart to your children, you know, as their mom, the one that is setting the example in the home, you know, the person that reads the Bible and tries to live that out. Well, I try to I let them know that they can pray about anything. Um, keeping God first is most important, and even though they may lose a sock or lose a hair bread or something, the first thing we want to do is we want to pray about it yes. and allow the Holy Spirit to help us find it and to be calm and not get upset about it and get anxious because the world is anxious enough, and it starts off at home where you start training your children to appreciate and to love God and then that helps you to love other people and to do your best and to be your best. Amen. And how old are your kids, Vanessa? Um, well, they're my godchildren and one is nine, she'll be ten in September and one is fourteen and she'll be fifteen in September also. Wow. That is really something. I gotta ask you, where does the name Diva Vanessa come from? Well, um, I guess it started more when I started getting more into my Bible, I felt encouraged to add a diva there. Just uh, it just the way I guess Moses got his name changed, <laughs> I changed my name, and I was just 
divinely inspired to do that. And ever since I did that, everybody has stuck to it and just, you know, they don't even call me Vanessa. They just say, oh, hey, Diva. <laughs> Hi, Diva. <laughs> so, and I think that most Divas have a lot of issues. And I think that if you're going to represent somebody with the word Diva, then you need to represent the big guy first. Amen. Absolutely. You know, that reminds me of uh, something I tell my daughter on a regular basis. Since the day that she was born, I've called her my princess, and I've given her many, many different things that have the word princess on it. And she said to me a number of times, you know, Dad, I'm not really a princess. And I said, well, actually, kind of, yes, you are. And she said, well, how do you figure that? And I said, well, okay, one of the names for Jesus is Christ the King. And we also know that we are children of the Most High God. And if God the Father and God the Son are one, and Christ is king, and you're his daughter, well, by definition, that makes you a princess in the kingdom of God. And she was like, okay, I got nothing. Yep, I can't argue with that. That's right. She's your princess. And she'll always be your princess. Absolutely. Well, another role that you have that I find really interesting is being a deaconess. And I know that's not the same thing as being a princess. So can you explain that a little bit? Well, um, a deaconess is um, someone in the church who is, I guess they say it's like the left hand to the minister in okay. the church. All right. So they would call a deacon to pray. They would call, if, the, if the minister can't be there, the deacon would be the next person in line okay. to, to take over the, the, the service, to run the service, to be encouraging to the people. Um, we have a deacon's list at our church where we call um, we have a list of people who we call, and we, you know, we pray with them, we talk with them, we chit chat, we cry with them, we send encouraging cards to them, and just to help them, let them know that in these times that God is with us and God is with them, and that we're here in case you need to, to talk to or to pray with or just to sit and hold hands. And what faith background is that? Uh, Baptist. Okay, so. Is that also part of the Atlantic County Ministers Association? I know that you're part of that as well. How does that relate to that? Well, the Atlantic County Ministerial Association was founded in NITSA, um, and it was basically ministers that got together from different churches to come out and worship God from different churches in that area. And they just grew, and they started helping people, and... Um, I belong, my my pastor belonged to it, so I got involved in it, and now I'm one of the finance people there. I'm the treasurer, okay. so I handle the money that goes with it, but our basic um, task is to just help people, you know, to be able to encourage each other, and if they, if they need a word of prayer, if they need some finances, and we're able to help them, we do try to do that. So, I mean, it's, it sounds like between what you have going on in your family and your role in the church, you, you definitely have a heart for ministry. When, when did you feel that call? Like, you really want to lend a hand and just be there to be a voice of encouragement for people? Um, well, I guess maybe, maybe five or six years ago, I was having some ta- challenges in my, in my family and, I just, well, no, it's been more about more than about ten years, I can say, and I just, I just felt the 
that God was calling me to, to step up to the plate. Because you hear him and you hear people talking about God, but then there's really a relationship that you have with him when you get closer to him. Yes. And then that changes how you see things and that changes how you see people and it puts you into the ministry. It puts you into a relationship where you understand that that's what your calling is and no matter what happens and when it happens, he's first. Yes. Earlier today I had some gentleman come in to pick up a gift and he was asking about picking up something that wasn't happening until uh, October. And I said, well, dear, how are you even sure that this is going to happen in October? Are you secure with that? And he was like, well, I was just coming to pick up my ticket. And I said, well, I can tell you what's really secure, and that's your salvation. Do you know Jesus? Wow. <laughs> I said, well, that's you great. came in here today. And he said, yeah. He said, well, I'm here. I said, but that doesn't mean you know Jesus just because you're here. And then I got into a conversation with him. But God allows you to... to to know when to jump in and say different things and not, you know, because a lot of people aren't where everybody is. So, so you have to wait for the Holy Spirit to help you. I, I love the phrase that you just used there. Do you know Jesus? And, you know, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine earlier, and we were talking about the difference between knowing of God or about God and knowing God in the form of a personal relationship as your Lord, your Savior. I, have you had that experience before that where somebody might say they know God, but they really just know of Him kind of from afar? Yes, because I believe that's what that gentleman did today. He knew of Him, but he didn't know Him, know Him, because when you know Him, you know to reach out to Him for everything and to quote His scriptures back to Him in time of need, like when you're in traffic and things are going not the way that you want them to go, you know that you can say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can hold on to this. I have patience. I have, he is my, my, my shepherd. He's my, my Lord and my all. And you know that you have that feeling that he's placed inside of you. And then the love shows to other people. Yes. Well, I, I wonder when you encounter somebody like that, that just knows of God, what is the best way from your perspective and, and your experience in ministry to get him along the continuum from knowing of God to taking that bold step and making a decision to have that personal relationship? How do you navigate that? Well, um, I have some books that are sitting at my desk, and they have a story about God in there and about people's relationship with God and how mm -hmm. they got to know him different ways and different ways. So I use that book and I also just show them love because a lot of people aren't feeling that nowadays. There's a lot of people who are short with people and different things and they're very angry and that's not how God wants us to be. Everybody has an opinion on some things, but if you're just showing them love and grace and mercy and kindness, that's going to change everything and how they feel and how they feel about themselves and then how they treat you also. Yes, I, I could not agree with that more. Well, you know, when you talk about showing love and serving others, I know that you also have a role here at this station. And when I first met you, you were just helping to clean up. And that's one of just a number of hats that you have here. Can you explain a little bit the different things that you do here at WOND? Um, well, I started off as, um, as a front desk. 
I would come in and I would work part time. They had like two shifts. Um, the one would work from nine to twelve, and then somebody would work from twelve to four. So I used to come in and do the front desk, and then once I got in, I just grew because I started learning the traffic area, which is meaning where we traffic the commercials on the air that you hear. Right. And I started working with the lady who was doing the traffic, and she would have me put in some of her contracts for her, and I guess I did that well and didn't have any mess-ups because it's very detailed and you have to put it in properly or you could mess up people's money. Yeah. So I put those in, and she liked it, and fortunately for me, she was retiring. So I was offered the position, and I've been doing that ever since. We did get a new receptionist at one time, but then she left and moved to Belize, <laughs> which was fine because God touched her heart. And when she left, she gave me her car, and she didn't even charge me for it. Wow. So that was a blessing. It was really a blessing. So I'm doing that. I'm doing the traffic. I also help out with the cleaning up, and I do the billing also. And I'm a notary, so I got a lot of hats going on there. You really do. And, you know, we only have about a couple minutes left. So okay. I, I guess my last question to you, I mean, with all the different things that you're doing and all the different ways that you serve in your family and the church and everything else, you know, what advice would you give to working moms that might be hesitant to share their faith? They might have that same passion or fire in their belly that you do, but they might be hesitant to say something. And, you know, maybe they're not sure of how to model Christianity outside the four walls of a church. What would you say to them? I would just tell them to just be, treat everybody like they treat their children, really, because we're all children, but growing children. And as it says in the Bible, unless we become like little children, we're not going to see him. So if you treat everybody like, say you see somebody you need help, you help, you help them. They move their car, you need to move back or something, you just have that feeling that you help the person, just like you would help your children at home. They may need to have um, uh, their car washed or something. And if you feel like that's something you want to do, you do. There's always God will open up a door for you. You just have to be willing and submit your mind to his will, and things will work out for you. Even if it's just a smile or giving somebody behind you paying for their meal or just something small you can do, God will open up a door for you. And as long as you're willing to submit and be open and available, for him, he's going to be there for you. Vanessa, I love that so much. I don't know if you ever noticed it, but on the logo for this program, I have John thirteen thirty four as a scripture verse that I try to model this program after, where it talks about love others as I have loved you. That kind of unconditional, sacrificial love that exactly you're talking about, and Christ took it to the ultimate measure of giving his life, but it's really about putting the needs of other people ahead of your own. Christ certainly didn't want to die, but he came here to die to save all of us from our sins because he put us first. So I love how you frame that. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Well, Vanessa, it is... Thank you for having me. Yeah, it has been an honor and a privilege to have you on the program this afternoon, and I want to thank you so much for taking the time. Well, thank you for having me, and God bless. All right. When we come back from the break, we'll reflect on the lessons of servant leadership that we've heard from today's guests. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
interested in connecting with Dr. Paul McCullough or interested in being featured on the show, contact Jacob Media Partners via LinkedIn. Now, back to Serving Our Nation. Welcome back to Serving Our Nation on News Talk 1400 WOND. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and as we close out today's show, let's just briefly think about what we've heard from our guests today. Now, I love what Vanessa had to say because she touched on so many different aspects of how you can serve people in different ways. And really, her mindset focused on the same question that I leave you with each week, asking people, how can I help? And you heard her talk about how in her workplace, she goes up to people and says, hey, can I help with this? Can I help with that? Can I learn this system? And it just resulted in blessing after blessing for her. She got a new job. She got a car. And those weren't things that she asked for. She was just trying to help. But God blessed her for it. And then when you think about how you can serve in your community, you heard Vanessa talk about how she's a treasure in the minister's association where she serves. And then serving through faith. I love how she talked about how you can be an encouragement to others. And she does that as a minister, but just worshiping with other people and doing life together, you can encourage other people. And then in the first half, we heard from Mr. John Branch, and he focused on how you can serve people in the military. Now, what I heard John say is that he did his job, and a large part of that was being a trigger puller, but he also expressed that he had some concern, some anxiety in his life. And that's certainly to be expected, I can tell you that, being in Iraq for six months with bullets flying overhead and bombs going off and all things of that nature, I can tell you how hard it is to have war surrounding you day and night month after month. But what I loved hearing from John is that despite how hard Vietnam was for him and despite how hard it was for him to come back home from that war and be mistreated even on the plane ride home where a person was speaking ill of him as he was wearing his dress blue uniform, John spoke about forgiveness. Forgiveness. It does not do any good to harbor ill will against somebody. If you hold a grudge and you think that's hurting somebody, it really isn't. Because it's like drinking poison and expecting another person to suffer from it. If you are holding on to some kind of grudge, some kind of hurt in your heart that somebody has done to you, it doesn't mean that what they did was right. I'm not saying that. What I'm suggesting to you is that you give forgiveness to them because whether or not they come and ever apologize to you forgiving them will release that pain in your heart and will allow you to move on with your life as John has and you heard John talk about how now he's able to serve other veterans he wrote a number of books one among them that he sent to me is the warrior's guide to happiness and I gotta tell you going through there chapter after chapter there are words of healing there. And those words are based on Scripture. And both of the guests today talked about how important it is to focus on Scripture, focus on the Word of God, and let that permeate your heart and help you to love and care and serve for others. All right, 
Each week I talk to you about how when you put good into the universe, good comes back to you. Well, here is a great story for you. So, a couple of days ago, on Flag Day, which was also the Army birthday, I had the great honor, along with my team for AUSA, the Association of the United States Army, we put on an event in Independence Hall, Philadelphia, and it was well attended by people throughout the city, and we had a number of honored veterans. One of them was 101 years old, and we also had some honored dignitaries there, very senior people. And so the event went very, very well. Uh, everything went smoothly, and the senior dignitaries were very impressed. Uh, and they actually are the CEO and president of AUSA, General Retired Carter Ham, as well as the former Sergeant Major of the Army, Retired Dan Daly. Both of those gentlemen were in attendance, and because they were pleased with what they saw at that event, I have the great pleasure of telling you they are going to be my guests next week on the 4th of July. General Carter Ham, a retired four-star general, is going to be the guest next week, along with Sergeant Major of the Army, retired Dan Dilley, both at the same time. General Ham is a retired four-star. He was the second commander of the United States African Command, and he is presently the CEO and the president of the Association of the United States Army. Sergeant Major Retired Daly was the 15th Sergeant Major of the Army, the highest enlisted rank you can achieve, and he currently serves as the Vice President at AUSA for Non-Commissioned Officer and Soldier Programs. So I am so excited about the show next. I want to remind you to sign up for my Spotify and Apple Podcast mailing list through my website at reverenddrpaul.com. That's R-E-V-D-R-Paul.com. Check out the show tab for previous episodes of this program. And again, as you go about your week, no matter where you're at, just like Diva Vanessa said, always ask, how can I help? Thanks for listening and join us again next week.